0: Today I'm joined by a lady from the United States of America, the West Coast there in California, by the name of Amy Moskav. Amy, a very, very warm welcome to you.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. This is quite an honor.
0: And we're going to be talking about, well, mainly um, from, from your book, Amy, called Gratitude Plus Forgiveness Times Love Equals Happiness. It's, uh, I believe it's a book you co-authored with a gentleman called Donald Ferguson.
1: Yes, that is correct.
0: Yeah. So um, I've got to ask you this. I mean, I've read, certainly read the first half of the book, Amy, but I've got to ask you about Benny.
1: Okay, <laughs> Benny Studdle, yeah. <laughs> okay, is there something specific you want to ask me, or you want me to no, just tell you I just about
0: Benny Studdle. No, just tell, just tell us and the listeners about Benny.
1: Okay, okay. So, um, Benny Studdle was my quote imaginary friend as a child, and uh, you know, my parents didn't know if I just had a really vivid imagination, or if I really was tapping into something beyond, beyond the veil that others couldn't see. Um, so they indulged me, but it wasn't too long after, um, Benny became part of our lives that they realized that, that I probably was tapping into something beyond because I had so many details, um, about Benny Studdle. That was his name. I mean, that's kind of an unusual name to begin with. So I had so many details about, um, Benny's life and how he died and how he lived and where he lived that, um, you know, I think the indulgence became more of a fascination and it also provided a lot of support for me because I was a really sick child. Um, and I spent a lot of time in isolation. I was in the hospital a lot and, um, But I never, I, I, you know, as I reflect on those experiences, what I can remember, I never really felt alone because I felt this presence. I felt this, this presence of Benny Studdle with me, my friend, my support, um, who he told me stories and he sat beside me, you know, it's like he held my hand through this whole experience. So I never felt separated from and isolated, um, as a result of that relationship. Um, and again, my parents, fortunately, um, because of their own level of awareness, they were able to allow me to cultivate that support and that relationship with Benny Studdle. But yeah, that was an interesting way to start life, I think.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I did have a, and I just, my my, my mind sort of fluctuated there um, as I was reading it, Amy, to think, I just I wonder how many people, you know, throughout the world, different cultures, you know i know my oldest daughter i mean she she had an imaginary friend adrian his name was and that was very 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 vivid with her um mm-hmm. very and i just wonder how many people through the world have got or had that imaginary friend
1: yeah well I, from what i've experienced in talking to people is that a lot of people have had this experience and i think um, because of my studies and the things that I'm interested in, I went deep into that to figure out, well, what exactly is that? Why Why is it that children have these imaginary friends? Yes, of course, they're connected with their imagination, but they're also very connected with spirit. It's like they still have one foot on the other side when um, when they're born. And we are, you know, as we we grow up, we kind of logic ourselves out of Those connections because we don't understand them. You know, we don't fully understand them. So I think it's very natural for children to have these types of connections and experiences. Um, But, you know, how they cultivate those relationships really depends on the external influences their parents, um, their teachers, and how those uh, role models allow them to explore that
0: very early on in the book amy very early on you ask a massive massive question and i think it's one that we've probably all asked at some time or other in our lives four simple words but probably one of the biggest questions in the world why are we Mm -hmm. here
1: (laughs) yes and it is a question that we can spend a lifetime pondering so yes why are we here um, and there's no simple answer to that. I mean, I could give you my stock answer, which is to learn. We're here to learn. We're eternal beings having human experiences, and so what do we do with that that eternal time frame or lack of time frame? I should say. Well, we learn. We grow. We get better. We get more expansive in nature. So I believe that's why we're here to learn.
0: So when the physical body that we know then, Amy, departs after the proverbial, dare I say, the proverbial three score ten, um, (laughs) then what happens with all that knowledge and all that learning?
1: Okay. Well, um, what I have come to discover, and this is my story, this is how I view things, because I believe that your perspective is your reality or your perception is your reality. So my perception of how it all works is, is like this. So once we depart the physical body, we don't die. I mean, the physical part of us dies and it's, you know, it's perishable. It doesn't last forever, but our, the spirit inside of us goes on forever. So we carry that knowledge forward um, into what I call the in-between, the place where we store all of our, our records and experiences. We go into that space and then we, we experience a, a contemplative period where we say, okay, here's what we learned. We do like a life review. Here's what we've learned, or here's what I've learned. Here's what I believe I still need to learn, or I want to go into this more deeply. And then the construction of a new human experience begins. We start building a new energy field to allow us to have that experience um, that, that um, inspires us to learn even more as a spiritual eternal being.
0: There was five particular bullet points. I mean, I made a note because I thought they were simplistic in their in their power. Um, and the five were were all connected by the collective consciousness. Uh-huh. We are souls who choose to have a human body. And this is the one that really, really kind of got to me in a positive Earth is a classroom that we willingly enter. Oh yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) we we plan the experiences and people to help us learn and finally we're all connected energetically through human tapestry yeah i mean just just give us the kind of collective summary on those five one-liners amy
1: okay so the first part we're connected by the collective consciousness yes i mean we are in this I'm sure everyone has had this experience to a certain degree, even if you're not a mystic or a psychic or anything like, have you ever, have you ever received a phone call about someone you were thinking about, you know, or have you ever run into someone at the grocery store that you were thinking about that you haven't seen for many years? I think most people have had these experiences, right? And we we call it synchronicity, or we call it coincidence, or something like that. But but the bottom line is, is we are, have this underlying conversation through the collective conscious network. We're all connected to this hub of information. We're all sending signals to it and receiving signals back. Well, this is this is how we communicate with each other um, in an unspoken language. So. So yeah, this collective consciousness is like—it's um, kind of like an external hard drive that we all plug into to deposit and receive information, and we we communicate with each other through this network. I mean, and you know, my experiences are kind of dramatic because I am an intuitive and I can tap into this unspoken language pretty easily. I've trained myself to do that, um, you know, and I can read a person's energy field from the other side of the globe without sitting next to them. Well, how do I do that? I connect into this this hub, this collective consciousness to um, receive information. So that, that can be a concept that's a little hard to wrap your brain around, but if you just take it in small bites and use the example that I gave of maybe running into someone in the grocery store that you were thinking of, but you haven't seen for a long time, you know, think of the possibilities. Well, maybe you did send a signal out Or maybe they were sending a signal to you saying, hey, it's time for us to connect again, right? And the only way you could receive that message was through this collective consciousness network that you were both tapped into.
0: So if I can just come in there, Amy, on that, on what you've just said there, I mean, we, for the benefit of the listeners, we shared, didn't we, before we came on air, a situation that happened today to me Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll elaborate on that but is what you're saying there Amy very aligned with what I discussed with you prior to coming on air is that exactly the same
1: thing you're saying there? Exactly the same thing exactly the same thing Okay.
0: Yes. so for the benefit of the listeners what that was was somebody um, that's special to me has been um, we've been estranged for some time and I've been thinking about this person um for some time matter of months now eight months nine months and coincidentally and boy do I love to use that word coincidence (laughs) (laughs) do I love Uh that word um coincidentally (laughs) there was um a call today um from you know from the uh, the person's mother and when I rang the number back oh I misdialed sorry Mm, okay. Well, while you're on, how's X Y Z? How's A B C, etc. etc. Well, you know, when we got into an hour-long dialogue around what's happened over the last few months, and uh, yeah, and that was one of those which, you know, some would say, wouldn't they, that I actually manifested that I put it out there. I mean, what you know, from your perception, Amy, what what did happen there? Did I put it out there, or did it find me? What happened?
1: Yeah, I think it could have been a little bit of both. I think you probably put the message out there. Mm. You probably sent a signal to the hub. The signal was received and then sent back. And then, lo and behold, this experience manifested where you found yourselves connected, actually, in the physical world. Mm. So, yeah, I've, my sense is that it was probably a little bit of both.
0: Excellent. It's it's certainly a good, you know, whatever it was, it was certainly very, very good and very profound.
1: Yeah, Yeah, and a learning experience, right? Because after all, we are here to learn.
0: (laughs) Yeah. One of the other things, well, there's many things, but one of the other sort of really profound things, and when we talk about, you know, the experiences um, are neither positive or negative. They are experiences. Give us an insight into that, Amy, please.
1: Okay. so. Energy itself is not positive or negative. I mean, unless you're talking about the charge, the, the you know the energetic charge. But we're talking about the nature of experiences. Um, so energy is programmed. We program it with our expectations, our views, our, our perspective on things. That's how energy is valued. That's that's our valuation system for any energy that exists is is our perspective. Right? So to one person, the perspective of a particular event or situation could be unfavorable. Whereas to another person, the perspective um you know or expectations of an event or experience is favorable so how do we explain that well it really doesn't have to do with the event itself it has to do with our valuation of how that event or experience has unfolded so so in other words this is about taking responsibility for your perception of things when you say okay i understand that this event or experience isn't isn't really We can't put a stamp on it that says it's positive or negative. It's just my view, which when you take that approach to it, then you can change your perspective if you choose, right? So if you view something as negative, if you say, hey, wait a second, it's not necessarily like from the big eye in the sky, that's not necessarily negative. That is just an experience. And then I get to choose how I'm gonna look at it, if I perceive it to be negative or positive. So that's really um, that's kind of a nexus of the the uh, what's the word? Like the the responsible creatorship process is recognizing that you do have a choice in how you view things.
0: Absolutely. I've got two slants on that, Amy, both football related, um, and from our, our American listeners, please forgive Um, my lack of knowledge about uh, American soccer teams. Um, (laughs) But I'll use two universal brands in terms of of football, in terms of Manchester United and Manchester City. And so imagine Manchester United who play in red and white are play in Manchester City who play in blue and white. Now, at a game, it doesn't matter whose ground it's at, assuming half of Manchester is blue and white and the other half is red and white, and that game is played and whatever the result is, say one of the team wins, it doesn't matter which one, wins 1-0 or just wins, whatever the score is, half of that crowd are going to be happy. The other half of the crowd Mm -hmm. are not going to be happy. Irrespective, right. the result is the result, is the result. The only emotion it's got is what both sides and sets of supporters choose to give it. So some choose to give it anger, frustration, sadness, negativity because their team's got beat. The other side, the other half of the crowd, will choose to attach to it happiness, elation, euphoria. But the result is the result. Is the result? Does that draw right. a parallel, Amy, with what you're trying to say?
1: Absolutely, because the the emotions that are generated really depend upon the perspective of the person generating the emotions. It's not the event itself. It's not the thing that happened. It's how you perceive it or, how, or what your perspective is. Mm. Yes, absolutely. It's the same same idea.
0: Yeah, and just to build on the football theme. I wrote a book called Emerging from the Forest. And Mm. what that was about was, or a key part of it, was going back to 1974 when, as a child of 13 and a half years of age, I attempted suicide Mm. because of the chaos of my world. Why did I do that? Because my perspective, to use your word, Amy, my attachment to Nottingham Forest Football Club, which was my local club, was... I'd given them all my power. I believed in them so much because I hadn't got anything else in my own world to believe or, or 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 live for. My mother was being beaten up protecting me. I was being beaten up, abused, violently attacked. I was addicted to alcohol at a very early age. And my only belief system my only survival system was around being attached to one day I would represent Nottingham Forest Football Club as a player and wear the red shirt with pride. And so mm-hmm. I followed every kick, I followed every result. And in the space of 48 hours, they played two games, both to teams in black and white, hence me developing this black and white curse concept, which I carried through in later years as part of my belief system, whether it was football or not was irrelevant. But in the space of 48 hours, they'd lost to two teams that play in black and white. And my feelings, thoughts around betrayal. i Beyond work, you know, how can you betray me? I love you with all my heart. I'm so loyal to you. You are my everything. And you go and get beat twice. I can't cope anymore because you were my reason to live. And this was my beliefs, my belief system, my perspective, and everything, that, that uh, something happened on that fate, fateful day. There's, there was definitely an intervention. I can't, dis- I can't explain it. I, something happened, and the razor blade fell from my hand, and, and I didn't slash my wrists and commit suicide. But the point is, my book, Emerging from the Forest, was metaphorical in as much that dark place called a forest I come out of there because the breakthrough for me, Amy, which I think is aligned with what you, what you, you know, the point you was trying to make in the book, that when we attach or give that power away to something external, we are extremely vulnerable, and um, you know, major, major things can happen in our lives which are invariably unsavory. Would that be a fair comment?
1: Yes, I think that is completely fair. You know, and that's a really good point, talking about um, basically using external forces as crutches um, to build ourselves up. It does skew your perspective on things.
0: Mm. Yeah. Gratitude, Amy, That obviously the first part of your, your title in your book. Yes. Gratitude paves the road to forgiveness and forgiveness allows love to flow. Love attracts happiness and draws it into your life. Expand, if you will.
1: I will. Okay, so gratitude is one of those little magical things that can transform everything in your life. So gratitude, when you have uh, gratitude for your experiences, everything that happens to you, whether it's good, whether you perceive it to be good or bad, when you have gratitude for that experience, it allows you to forgive the participants in that experience. And I'll just, I'll, I'll use an example. Okay. So, so for example, say you have a friend of a friend, a really good friend, um, and you have a fight with that friend, right? That doesn't feel good. I mean, it's like you want to say, well, how could you have gratitude for that? Because a fight does not feel good. In any way, shape, or form, but maybe what happens in that fight—and I think I use this as an example in the book—maybe what happens in that fight is that you um, you learn something about yourself. Like you realize that you are able to stand up for yourself and say, "Hey, you know, that's not what I meant, or that's not what I said, or that's not how I see things. I wasn't trying to hurt your feelings." You stand up for yourself, okay? So you learn something about yourself through that experience. That's very uncomfortable. Um, so because we're here to learn, it is appropriate to have gratitude for that experience once you've identified what you have learned, because that's your objective. So when you you say, okay, all right, I've, I've learned that I can stand up for myself, or I've learned to better stand up for myself, but it, I never would have come to that conclusion if I didn't have a fight with my friend. So at that point, that's a turning point. That's where you pull yourself out of the emotions of it and you say, wow. It is appropriate for me to have gratitude for this experience, even though it didn't feel good, okay? I'm grateful for what I learned. Well, guess what? When you identify that you have grown as a result of that terrible experience, then it releases you from the feelings you have toward the other person who's participated in this with you. Okay, so you acknowledge that it's your objective to learn. Well, okay, you met that objective. You learned something. Well, it's reasonable to say that the other person also has the same objective as you to learn right so you're both engaging in this experience for the purpose of learning you learned okay you're grateful for that experience then there's no foundation for that anger that you feel toward the other person it allows you to to arrive at a place of forgiveness in a very authentic way you're not just saying the words i forgive you you're you're actually feeling that it's appropriate to forgive there's nothing to hang on to anymore okay and then you know taking it to the next stage and throwing some love in there you know to really fuel the learning and the connectivity that you have with other people it's a recipe for success it's a recipe for happiness so the title of the book itself and what you just referenced gratitude forgiveness and love that is your foundational recipe for success and happiness.
0: Mm, It's yeah. I mean, when you put it in that very simplistic context and, and what's what I like about that or what, what actually in in a respectful way, Amy amuses me. I can remember a few years ago and I was, this was in my, uh, um, how can I put this in my kind of more vulnerable, insecure phases of life where I think we look for what I call concrete models, stepping stones, you know, give me a Mm -hmm. formula for the success of life. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'd certainly worked on this kind of gratitude and forgiveness, this seven seven step process. And I had this major dilemma and I was on this for weeks and weeks and I couldn't shift. It's like, okay, which one comes first? Then is it gratitude (laughs) or is it forgiveness? And it's like, Paul, just let it go, boy. Let it go you know they're in the mix somewhere yeah but no and this was the ego no no because without forgiving you haven't got space for gratitude and so it's when I when I saw the title of your book for the first time a few weeks ago Amy just like oh okay maybe there's your answer Paul (laughs) there's your learning
1: well okay yeah but you know it's funny that I struggled with the same thing you know my my co-author and I, we struggled. Okay. Do we put forgiveness or gratitude first? Which one comes first? So I think that your conclusion. Like, okay, just let it be. If you are able to arrive at a place of forgiveness in an authentic way. Okay. Cause that's the key. It's gotta be authentic. Otherwise you can throw it out of the mix. So if you can arrive at forgiveness in a very authentic manner, then it really doesn't matter if gratitude or forgiveness comes first. For me personally, I find that when I connect with, the fact that I've yeah okay I've actually learned something here it becomes easier for me to release any you know unfavorable emotions that I have toward other people so but it really doesn't matter to your point it really doesn't matter which comes first (laughs) (laughs) as long as they're both in there
0: so long as they're both in there tell us about this then love is the most powerful creative force in existence
1: Oh, yes. Okay. So love is a fuel. Imagine it's, it's the fuel that powers your engine. Okay. So what happens when you connect with love, pure love, I'm talking like pure divine love, is that it becomes this accelerant for anything that you want to create in your life. Anything uh, that's in alignment with your purpose and your divinity, it becomes the fuel for actually manifesting those visions. Right Now, love is really the opposite of fear. I mean, you know, people say that love and hate are opposites, but in my opinion, love and fear are opposite because it is fear, this heavy, dense energy of fear that really blocks the job of love. So to the extent that you can train yourself to connect with love and use love on purpose, to fuel your outcomes, um, you will find that what you fuel is very different with love than what you fuel with fear or what I call fear-based emotions, such as anger, resentment, sadness. Those are all emotions that are based in fear.
0: As we start to, to draw towards a close, Amy, um, you make a statement in the book we are in a highly transitional time of human evolution. What, what does that mean exactly?
1: Okay. So you've probably noticed, I mean, what we see on the news right now is just mass chaos. It is. Um, and it feels different that it's felt in other times. I mean, we've always turned on the news and seen the terrible stories, you know, the things that are happening around the world, but there's a, a quality to these stories that has chaos and agitation attached. Well, You know, as uncomfortable as it is for us to witness this, it's also a really good sign. It's a good sign because it means that change is on the horizon. It means that all of these unsavory and unfavorable elements of humanity are being kicked up to the surface for us to look at. So I believe that we are on, we're standing at the threshold of this new era, right? But everything that we don't want to take through the doorway with us is coming up for us to look at right now. It's kind of like the storm before the calm. So uh, I think that events themselves are um, modeling for us that we are standing on this threshold of a new era, right? And, And as conscious creators, we have the ability, we're becoming aware that we have the ability to choose what comes next. So now we look at the news and we say, I don't want that. I know I don't want that. So okay, let's think about what I do want, and as we contemplate these things that we do want, then we're able to focus our attention on them and 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 actually create that. So yes, this is a very pivotal time in um, in humanity's spiritual history. This is a this is our moment to shine.
0: And I think it's fair to say there's um there's a lot of thoughts um, flowing through the. Um, through the universe at the moment to to exact you know to to exactly reinforce that you know I think from my own point of view Amy listening to a lot of people obviously on podcasts and we have this kind of conversation that that message is becoming more and more and more consistent, so yeah um interesting times um before i ask you one final big question amy as i always sign off with with guests um by by adopting that um i just want to ask you you know how can people get in touch with you how can they find out more about you your work um etc etc what are your contact details
1: okay so my website is the best place there's a contact form on the website and um And you can reach me that way. The website is www.ihsunity.com. And that's the best place. We have videos on the website and um, I have a a blog on the website. So you can check out my information. And then if you choose to contact me, just access the contact form. Thank you. Just one click away.
0: Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. And so the big question that uh, we sign off with, and it's this, Amy. Um, obviously, you know the book is is fascinating. You've got many, and I, you know, I obviously I've got the benefit of having spoken to you personally off here on more than one occasion. Um, but the question is this: if you was to pass just one, just one message on to the world, what would it be?
1: Love yourself. Simple That is my message for the world. Love yourself. Love begins with you. The more you love yourself, the greater you are able to love others.
0: And so listeners on that very, very simplistic, but all powerful message, I think it's time to draw things to a close. Amy, sincere gratitude for the part you've played in this conversation. Thank you. Uh,
1: yes. Thank you, Paul. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you listeners for listening. Thank you.
0: And... As is my way, listeners, I'll sign off by the usual message. Remember, the world's changing. How will you respond? Thanks very much for listening to this World Game Changers podcast episode. Hopefully you found it interesting and helpful. Drop a line to paul at worldgamechangers.org with any thoughts or questions you may have, and he'll be more than happy to respond. Remember the world is changing. How will you respond?